Welcome to the Podcaster's Cut. My name is George, and today with me, as always, my sidekick. Yo. Joey. <laughs> Not much of a sidekick, more of just my best friend. And today, we talk movies. So, you got any movie news, movie trailers you want to talk about, Joey? Uh, yeah, I actually have two trailers. Uh, the have you? I don't know if you watched it, but the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League trailer. No. So you haven't watched it? I haven't watched it. Okay, oh, dude. I, I know everybody's already like like people who know me are probably like, how have you not watched it? I yeah. Watched it. Here's the reason I haven't watched the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Because I want to watch the movie, and I know uh, that all they're gonna show in the trailer is all the new stuff. So I'm like, I don't want to touch the new stuff. I just want to go in completely blind, even yeah. though I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I don't think they showed anything new. Oh, really? I, oh, so I watched it. The trailer. <laughs> I would say you'll see like maybe a new image of the heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know that Superman has his black suit in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be something that you haven't seen already. Okay. Show Victor Snow uh, Stone before he was a cyborg. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, just stuff that you wouldn't really care, but you kind of see like his image of it, like is mm-hmm. like very prevalent. And, like you, like I saw, I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, like it's like Superman dying, like he did yeah. in Batman versus Superman, right? And he's just screaming like, ah. It's like, and, what, why are you taking me back to the year 2016, 17? Yeah, it was just a lot of the, it was just like, I was like, oh, okay, like, that's cool. Like, I saw the trailer and I was like, all right, like, I, I can't wait to see it. Like, <laughs> yeah, question mark? It, it's already out already. It's not out. Yeah, didn't it release on Sunday? It released on Sunday. Oh, you're talking about the trailer or the no, movie? No, the movie. The movie's not out yet. You sure? I'm pretty sure it's March. I'm pretty sure it already came out. Nah, dude, you tripping, honey. I mean, I might be wrong, but, like, I'm 90% positive it came out. It was, like, a quick shadow release, and I was just kind of like, what the heck is going on? Because, I mean, as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, I love uh, DC Comics. Yeah, it comes out March 18th. comes out March 18th? And I don't know why my freaking Twitter feed oh. was telling me it was out. And then, oh, the trailer's out. And then you get to see the Jared Leto. Uh, oh Joker. yeah, which I saw like stills of it. I'm just like, I'm I'm refraining. Oh, they they show him like talking or something. Like he does like a sentence. Mm, I don't know. Like I'm excited about the movie. I'm excited to watch it. Mm. Like I think it'll be fun. Like I, unpopular opinion. I kind of enjoy the Justice League movie. For yeah. Scenes out of it, obviously not the whole entirety. Isn't it's always just uh, Grau actually was telling me like his problem with DC movies is they're too grandiose. They like try to make it too big and world like ending. And they really just have to like focus in a smaller like storyline. That's why Batman stories work so well. And this I think is just another way of doing that. It's supposed to be three hours long. I'm like, cool, I'm gonna watch it in probably like two different sittings just because I don't wanna deal with it. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I've watched three hour movies, I'm good with it, but man, time time is precious. <laughs> <laughs> and I got T V shows to watch sometimes, animes to catch up on. I don't know. I think I could watch it in one sitting. I mean I could. I don't know if I want to is the problem. No, I would want to. I would just like like a band-aid, dude. Just, just rip, rip it off. It off. But yeah. like, I enjoy the movie, so it's probably different. I, I think it would have been cool if it was out in theaters because then it'd be like, I have to sit through it and yeah. watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. 
And be like an Avengers Endgame thing where like I gotta hold my pee this entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I but, literally dehydrated myself for Endgame. Yeah. Because I was just like, I don't want to have to pee. Hey. I didn't drink water for like a day and a half because I was just like, nah, ain't gonna happen, son. <laughs> Did it suck? No, not really. I didn't really feel the effect. <laughs> uh, the other trailer I watched was Cruella. I watched that this morning, assuming that you would have been able to talk about it. What'd you think? Looks good. You think it's okay? I think uh, it's a nice twist on Cruella because like she's like a, you know, a master thief. Like, yeah, right. So I'm like, oh, okay, it kind of fits like why she would like right away like switch over to like let's steal them like let's steal them puppies yeah like, like her gut instinct is to just rob them yeah i it was interesting i think emma stone right i'm not crazy emma stone mm-hmm. is wait are you lying to me again no <laughs> emma stone i think she really nails the role of being like crazy cuckoo uh-huh but i'm i'm wary because i feel like it's going into the, like the crazy town area of the movie and i'm like i don't know how this is gonna play like it could go they've obviously done so many of these remakes yeah and i like when they do a twist or they don't show the original like story like maleficent was cool the first one i I thought it was a cool like way of going about it yeah but then when they did cinderella and then what was the other one they did uh one was like kind of weird i didn't like that alice in wonderland oh right the alice in wonderland movies wait you watched the milan movie i did yeah i watched it on me too bro it was not good. It was bad. It was it horrible. Was bad, yeah. It was, was really bad. It was pretty fucking bad. Yeah. I hated that Mushu didn't come out in it. Yeah, no songs, nothing. It was... I was severely disappointed. Dude. Not I, worth the $25 <laughs> that, like, Disney Plus was supposed to make you I pay. farted, and the movie stunk more than my fart. I mean... I was like, jeez. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was bad. Like, I'm hoping that this movie does well, uh-huh. because I like Emma Stone. Like, I think she's a great actress. And I think that... Her role, she goes to the full crazy, and the movie, like, runs with the idea. It looks cool. Like, the setting looks dope. Mm-hmm. And, like, it almost has, like, a punkish kind of feel to, like, her look, like I thought. Like, the way her hair looked and yeah. the way her style. And then she busts that, like, uh, catching fire thing. She, like, oh, lights yeah. her suit on fire. And That's true. Psh, like, yeah. check it out, bitch. I mean, if you like Hunger Games, you might like this movie. <laughs> I know. No, it looks good. I think I, I think Emma Stone's the right fit for this character. Right, right. I, it's... And then she can stretch out on it, you know? Like, she can try her little acting. She, she got an Oscar for a reason, so... I mean, I mean she got see. an Oscar, and then she did that one movie with the Queen... Was it Queen Elizabeth? Or Victoria? The, with Olivia Coleman? The something girl, or the... the yeah. The, ha- the maid something, the other maid, the... Yeah, something like that. Like, that movie was good, and she did a really good job in it. Like, I think her acting was really well done. I'm like, she hasn't done anything since that movie. And I think overall, she's just a really good actress. Like... Um, I it's really crazy to see her come so far from like the first couple movies she did mm-hmm. to what she's doing now. And we're like, whoa, you're incredible! Like, you really deserve all of the uh, accolades you have gained. She's got she's done some pretty good movies. I mean, no, yeah, I'm saying that she has. I'm she's not saying in she's a, not. She's in a Golden Globe nominated movie right now. Mm-hmm. Which one? Crude, A New Age. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm trying to curse less on this podcast, and you just broke that easily. It was the favorite, by the way. Is the favor? Is that the, fa- the favorite. The favorite. There we go. Yeah. I was just like, Geez. hey, but I'm not wrong though. That that is a nah, golden globe nominated movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. There's that. <laughs> Overall, I think the trailer looked interesting. Has my interest. Uh huh. It depends on how much they're gonna charge me on Disney Plus to watch this movie. If I'm gonna watch it. Or mm. go about 
nefarious ways to locate it. Uh, there's only some movies I'll pay for it, especially when HBO Max is just giving us all the free movies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, <clears throat> this episode is brought to you by a really hoarse George, because I can't talk, I don't know what's going on. But we are talking Black History Month, because it is February. I know we're like almost done with the month, but we wanted to try to fit it in and actually try to do justice to it and have like two really good movies to talk about, which was One Night in Miami, available mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime for free. And then you can also watch, uh, if you have HBO Max, Judas and the Black Messiah for free as well until March 14th. Like Ma- HBO Max is doing this crazy thing where like every month they release a new movie and you can only watch it for like a month. And I think it's a brilliant platform. That way it gains all the hype that you can. Yeah. And then if you miss it, you're like, oh, damn, how am I supposed to watch this? And I'm like, mm. You don't have to wait. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to watch uh, The Little Things? Right? Oh, dude, it's so good. I'm, I'm going to try to watch that this weekend, too. I let, uh, let me know what you think, but I read some people's reviews about it. Mm-hmm. Like, just audience reviews. Yeah. And a lot of people did not like it. Really? Yeah. It looks like a weird movie, but I'm excited to watch it, cause it because it is a weird movie. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but I, I know why a lot of people didn't like it, and... I feel like you might not like it. Oh, but, really? Yeah. But I, because I like those artsy films. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy it. What are you saying? I don't, I'm not cultured or something? No, no, no. no that's not, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just not saying, a fucking pig, Joey. <laughs> I, no, I'm just saying that I, I'm a pig too, man. I just eat a, <laughs> I eat a finer set of slop no, than okay. you do. You know what? I think this is the last podcast. <laughs> this is over. But <laughs> speaking of which, we should get to the topic at hand, which is, want to start with One Night in Miami? Sure, let's talk about One Night in Miami. Okay, it's the first movie I watched. I watched it last week. It's when, um, it was the last movie I watched. It was the last movie you watched? Okay, yeah. so it's a little bit more fresher in your mind. Um, I think, so here's the thing. A lot of people, when it comes to making, adapting a play to a movie, people have so many reservations about it. And like, I had this discussion with the people I watched it with. And they were all pretty like, they were like, oh, well, it's kind of simple. And it was like, there wasn't much direction going on. And to that, I say like, you're crazy. Because Regina King does such an incredible job with the direction of this movie. Mm-hmm. The way, man, I want to like go into it. But okay, I really enjoyed the movie. I think it was a solid, like a good eight movie, like mm-hmm. eight out of 10 movie. Um, very enjoyable. If you love the time, if you love the culture, definitely watch this movie. I disagree with you about one little thing. Okay. Which is the directing mm-hmm. was um is it's her first time directing, so I wouldn't say it's like like over the top great. No, no, no. But no. it is a very good way that she did it. Like the way she directed it was a choice and it was a good choice for the mm-hmm. the movie. But I think another director um would have banked on the fact that it's a movie. Like okay. how they did Moonlight, mm-hmm. they kind of played around with the right. the fact that it's a movie. Like they could do other stuff. They can kind of accent a little bit more of the things that are happening mm-hmm. rather than stick to like the way the play was. Which true is what what's his name did? Uh, oh my, Washington and Fences. Yeah, there's that one, and then there's um oh my god, what it's the older actor. He's in a lot of westerns. Kelly Eastwood. Eastwood. He did it with the Jersey Boys. Oh, okay. I never actually watched that movie. No, I never watched the play, but I watched the movie. Okay. And he kind of used he used the room, and, mm. and maybe it's on the actors too, but maybe it's also on the director. Right. Where like 
the it, it almost felt like Twelve Angry Men, like you're kind of uh, stuck in a room. Yes, and maybe that's the point of the mm-hmm. the thing, but I also don't think it was. I think mm-hmm. it was about what they were talking about. Okay, and she didn't really use that. She didn't use the room. She didn't. Wow. They okay. Were, I felt like they were literally on those two beds the whole time. Uh huh. And no one like got up. No one like if someone was mad. I think they maybe got up once or twice. Uh-huh. And like they wanted to leave the room, but they yeah. never actually left. Like you probably disagree with <laughs> oh, me. Oh yeah, like, like uh, I have a lot okay, of things. Go ahead. No, 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 go for it. You can keep no, that's it, that's it. That's it. Okay, well let's see if I can kind of change your mind. Or at least think of it in this perspective. Cause okay. Aside from the story, right? Because the story is good. Like the fact that these four people were in this room, like and it's real. Like this is a legit thing that happened. No, it didn't. Yeah, they actually did spend the entire night. Not the entire night, but they did spend the night in Miami together after the win. They We have no well, idea what they talked about, but they actually did spend the night together. They were together. all in Miami at the same time. Yes. And they did actually have a closed doors conversation. Okay. Um, but the reason that I like about it, and mainly, and I definitely know that I'm go- go- what I'm about to say is very opinionated in my mm-hmm. sense. And like me searching for meaning, maybe where there's not meaning. Mm. But... Right. This is about this is about the struggle of the civil rights movement and mm-hmm. the struggle of what these really important um, black activists, quote unquote, because, I mean, some of them didn't feel like they're activists, uh, were dealing with at the time. And I think speaking as a person who as speaking as a POC, not speaking as a as an African-American who grew up in the 60s or even today. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the struggle that I've felt when like going out to places where I'm clearly not wanted yeah. is a feeling of claustrophobia and feeling like stuck and not being able to be myself and be able to express myself the way I would naturally do like around you mm-hmm. or around my other friends. Like I can't act crazy and wild. I can't curse. I have to put on a voice. Like my job without saying stuff is like speaking to people every single day. Mm-hmm. I can't talk the way I talk with you. And like, this movie, I think the way that Regina King, I think, thought of it is like this room is supposed to feel claustrophobic. And I disagree because I with you when you say like they didn't stand up from the bed. Like there's a scene where uh, Jim Brown literally can't stand the conversation anymore because he finds it so ridiculous that uh, Malcolm X doesn't see the way they see the struggle. Yeah. And he leaves the room, goes to the bathroom, closes the door and like kind of like drowns everything out and starts to like here and he hears it and he's like dealing with the process of and everything and i think that kind of shows the claustrophobia of what it was like like not being able to be yourself not being able to voice your opinions for fear of being lashed out on and i think that's something that she handled really well um i know danielle like when she was talking about the movie she was like it was kind of boring like it wasn't really like not she didn't think it was boring she thought the direction was boring or that it was like you're saying like it could have been more of a movie yeah and i agree that it could have been more of a movie but I think the way it was done was a choice. And I hope that it was a choice because the way that she shoots from behind the actor's uh, shoulder and view the other person who's talking to them is something that you don't get from a play. In a play, you never, like, unless you're rich or the play isn't really that popular, you're not sitting in the front row. You're not going to be able to yeah. see these person's expressions. Like, usually you're in the back. So th- what the movie offered me was the ability to, like, be in the moment of in that room and I get to feel the intensity of the conversations happening. And I get to feel that same kind of like closed inness of that I have felt in my life that I think the characters were trying to portray. 
And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I like the way she directed it. If this is the case, like, again, I'm making assumptions. I'm making, like, my symbolic meaning of the movie. Uh, if Regina King wants to use this as a reason so she can get, like, <laughs> a better whisper <laughs> campaign for, her, like, getting best director this year, like, go ahead and use it, Regina King. Because I honestly think she did a good job. Like, for, like you said, yeah. for, a, for a first-time director coming out and filming something this powerful – and filming something that is mismeaningful, I yeah. think she did a really good job. And that's what I was saying. Like, I don't think she did uh, a bad job. I'm yeah, t- I'm not, I, but, yeah, yeah. But, like, just like how you were saying that Neil said, like, it, it was missing that movie spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. And then like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. She made a choice, and that, it's a good choice. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a wrong it, choice. It's not a wrong choice exactly, at all. That's what you're trying and to say. Then, yeah, and then that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not a wrong choice. It's just that for this movie, it really just makes the audience feel like, okay, well, now I'm stuck and I have to listen to this conversation rather than right. like it's really it's a r- hard script to kind of make it really grandiose cause mm-hmm. it really is just four people talking in a room yeah and kind of kind of just like how 12 angry men which we've talked about yeah like you you um what's it called you see these interactions between these characters right mm-hmm. and um and the, they did that and it's only, but it's only four characters it's not that many personalities and there's only so many routes you can go with it and they right. were they were going back and forth back and forth and the script does that really well yeah but at least for me i was like okay i, I think i've heard this person's take on it already okay and it was just uh, a moments maybe repetitive and it was like i felt like i was stuck in the room with them which is like you said it's very claustrophobic yes. which is good it's just i don't know for me it was just like oh uh specific choice from the director mm-hmm. and it might some people might not get interested in it I and, agree. It, and, it, and it sucks because it really is a really good movie i i enjoyed it all the way through right and I, I think that analogy you're making to 12 angry men is a very astute one because it is like that right it is like people in a room trying to have a conversation and trying to come to an agreement of what they should do with their quote-unquote celebrity dumb yeah you know and and it does a really good job like the conversations they have are fascinating very intriguing, considering that we have no idea if this conversation took place. And, yeah, and then also, I thought, so you said it was like, it really did happen, which is weird, because it takes place in February 1964, right? I don't remember the date, no? Yeah, it, well, it takes place in my, <laughs> I'm we, telling you. Yeah. So then there's a difference, you're asking me a question, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, because it has to, because uh, Sam Cooke died in December 1964. He died, in, yeah, anyways. Okay. Uh, change ain't gonna come. Change is not gonna come. Came out in February 1964. Okay. So he has in in the movie he has not yet made that song. No, he's not. So I'm like, mm, did this really take place at the same time, or, or are they kind of messing around with the time? Because Jim Brown says he he wish he would have beat the Packers, but they they didn't play the Packers. The Cleveland Browns didn't play the Packers in the season of 1963 mm-hmm. so i um, think they're i thought they it was off because uh, the in one night in miami the the description mm-hmm. on at least on through imdb yeah it says a fictional account of one incredible night where icons you know they gather to discuss yes. civil rights roles of course so i'm like did it was it an actual like maybe because maybe because they didn't know what they said maybe that part was like added like as a humorous thing like the oh wish we would have beat the Packers right and person who's writing this wasn't probably a football fan and (laughs) (laughs) they just threw that in there but um 
yeah i i don't i don't know if it's the real i didn't i didn't think it was a real cow but i don't know if you read something that was like oh yeah no it's it too actually did take place it did actually take place from what i remember reading i read an article because like with these kinds of movies like obviously i'm a big history buff especially yeah, yeah. for this time period. that's why i'm referring to yeah. you as far as like <laughs> from what i read i think it was a, it might have been a vulture article i'm trying to look it up to see if i can find it again but like they went into depth of like yes this actually did happen like uh especially the ending scenes like sam cook actually doing the the um, interview with uh muhammad that's a yeah that's a really big thing yeah. right like all those things actually did happen mm-hmm. um i know that they from what i remember reading it did say that that it took place and that it actually did happen if i'm like if i'm misreading it that's fine like I mean, it's no big deal yeah, yeah. it doesn't take away from the actual story no of course mm-hmm. not no but i this is one of the things with this movie. It's like when we talked about Trial of the Chicago 7, right? Right. Where, like, you finish the movie and you're like, whoa, did this actually happen? Like, oh, yeah. I want to go learn more about this stuff. And it really makes me really happy that these movies, like, all three of these movies came out this year. Yeah. Because if if anything, like, I hope it got, like, maybe 20% of the people who watched this movie to go out and be like, oh, I want to read about this event. Yeah. And, like, I want to hear about this because, like, mm-hmm. so many fascinating things happen in these, like, 10 years span like and and the three movies all just take play are all just talking about one section that is um severely marginalized right with the civil rights movement all we ever hear in high school mm-hmm. uh, or in any kind of education system is usually just about like oh martin luther king was amazing he had a dream he had a speech he was great then he got assassinated malcolm x terrible person violent hated all the white people they were all white devils yeah terrible assassinated then this, and then Muhammad Ali, great, was part of the Nation of Islam, moved here, kind of left, wasn't uh, had all these problems. <laughs> and, like, we don't really hear more about it. Like, Muhammad Ali isn't even really talked about it in, in U.S. history classes. Yeah, it's, which is weird, because, like, I feel like his struggle of, like, well, he was a big prominent figure in, like, yeah. of history of, like, oh, he, like, went through a lot like, yes, that people did. don't know about. Like, it was a big debate about him changing his, his name mm-hmm. and, you know... And that was like a big thing back then. Yeah. And it's hardly ever talked about now because they're like, oh, yeah, you changed his name and people didn't like right, it. Right. Like some it's people like, don't no, even realize like, his name was Cassius Clay to begin with. Yeah. Like, and that's not to say, like, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that, like, even quote unquote, that was his name. Like, yeah, I get it. It was his given name by mm. slaves, by his slave masters, families, and stuff like that. I get that. So cool. If you want to go by Muhammad Ali, if you want to go by Cassius X, whatever you want to go by, mm. I. I bow down to the fucking reigning champ of best freaking boxer, probably, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think it's something that we don't hear about. Like, I think something that me and you have in common is that we both had the same U.S. history teacher, which, like, after going to college and after talking to people, like, I, I've learned that our history teacher did a really good job at teaching us, <laughs> like, U.S. history, because, like, a lot of this, like, did it feel like anything new to you that was coming out of the woodwork for the, with these movies? Yes, one thing. And in One Night in Miami? Yeah, the okay, Jim well, Brown part. Right, yeah, because, like, <laughs> I don't think in history class our teacher was going to be like, hey, you know what? We're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns and Jim Brown. <laughs> like, no, of course not. Like, uh, Which I thought was fascinating. Like, the intro to this movie feels like a movie because we were talking about yeah. the direction of it. Like, that felt like a movie. Like, uh, Muhammad Ali getting beat. Yeah, and then that's where I really liked the beginning because I, I thought – that's where it was leading me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause like, yeah. that's what I was talking about in the beginning where it's like, she took like a kind of a little bit of Liberty away from the play. Yeah. Where like do, showing us all these little things mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, whoa. Like 
that's crazy you know like right like showing the interaction about sam cook and stuff like that mm-hmm. which is funny because like i'll go back around but uh that that sam cook thing like is a like a real thing that he felt a lot well i'm not surprised and i'll get into it but anyways it was just nice to see those like little interactions right before we get into this like right before they're about to talk about it right like that that all felt like up to the point where muhammad ali's in the I'm like, none of this is spoilers, because if you don't know your history, then oh, I guess, okay, it's spoiler, but like, I'm not telling you anything important. Uh, there's that scene where he's like doing that iconic photo underneath the pool. Yeah. After he leaves that hotel, then it starts being a play. Like, cause, or not really, I guess after the fight. Yeah. After the fight scene uh, where he beats, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston, yeah. Yeah, so when he beats Sonny Liston, uh, then it becomes the play. And I'm like, I get you. I totally understand what you're saying earlier about, like, the direction and how that could have been the movie. Yeah. Like, if they had just taken that and done the whole movie, the movie would have been great. If you still kept the same dialogue, still would have been great. And I think you would have kept the same amount of, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, attention of the viewers. Because, yeah. you know, this is a talking movie. Like, and, it's, and if you're not interested <laughs> the in the talking, story, yeah. <laughs> if you're not interested in the story, or you're just not digging the acting, then yeah. you might not enjoy the movie. There's actually some books about the. There's one book in particular about Malcolm X and uh, Muhammad Ali's relationship called Love Brothers. Oh, People nice! Should, if you guys want to check it out, I mean that's cool. And it's on, I, it's on ebooks and I, like ironically with this movie, it's like I, I don't want to toot my own horn or like try to show off or whatever. Yeah. But like a lot of this stuff didn't come as a surprise to me because like in that history class that me and Joy took, like I wrote an 11 page paper on Malcolm X, so like I have a lot of knowledge of or had a lot of knowledge of what Malcolm X did. Mm-hmm. So none of it was surprising, but I th- I really like that they finally f- they I feel like they finally did justice to what he was going through at the time period. Who uh, Malcolm X? Oh yeah, like having to deal with the fact that the the chairman or the head I'm getting you confused because of Judas and the Black Messiah, but like the the head of the Nation of Islam was doing all these like terrible things behind the scenes, mm-hmm. like him dealing with that inner struggle of feeling like his faith is being tarnished by these other people mm. and him eventually going to Mecca and becoming a Sunni Muslim. Like, I really think that they did it so well. And you kind of gain that compassion that I don't feel like probably since that Denzel movie, Malcolm X, like has been felt. Yeah. Cause when it comes to Malcolm X and when it comes to these characters that came out, these like people that existed in this time period, they never get the justice they deserve in movies. Yeah. And it's the same thing in history books. And I think this movie does a fantastic job at, like, portraying... I, I, the teacher part of me thinks of, like, a co- uh, like a compare-contrast thing yeah. of, like, putting these four ideologies together and trying to, like, write an essay on it. Yeah. And I think it was great. I think it was well done. What were you going to say? Yeah. No, I think the actors did a really good job. They mm-hmm. really leaned on the imitation rather than... I feel like they leaned on the imitation rather than on the cadence. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, except for like two parts which would be muhammad ali and i would say sam cook okay because i well i would i would even think that sam cook the leslie autumn kind of even has that similar traits as sam cook oh, okay like, I, I don't as, know as, as, as far okay, as like okay. uh comparison like how they look okay um because he would look look down and smile a lot and he he was very i he like they they're the scene where he's like trying to get people back up like he would he he did that he he would be stationary mm-hmm. but you could feel his presence oh, like okay. that was a big stage thing that he had 
Um, and like they mentioned it, and it's like he wasn't like James Brown. Or, uh, oh yeah, they do mention that in the movie. <sighs> Forgot the other guy's name, but like he wasn't a Little Richard probably. Was Little no, Richard even there? Uh, he was, but I don't think they compared him to Little. Well, maybe they did. Anyways, mm-hmm. he wasn't like that. You know, he was he was he commanded with his voice, and he was very good. He was a good singer, mm-hmm. and um, I love Sam Cooke, dude. And, yeah, that's uh, the thing. Like, I, I don't know much about Sam Cooke. I know I had a few ooh, movies about him. I mean, a, a few <sighs> music about it. I know a few songs about him is what I'm trying to say. I would read his bi- biography, uh, A Portrait of uh, Legend. Uh-huh. Portrait of Legend. Portrait of Legend. Look it up. Sam Cooke biography uh, mm-hmm. or autobiography. I, I, I don't think it was an autobiography. He died, like, in December. He died uh, in a very tragic way. Literally Actually, a year later. Yeah, do you know a little bit about it or no no like i remember i know that the movie says like he died a year later and i tried looking into it but i think i got sidetracked this movie like messed me up in like thinking about it because i didn't really realize like how late into his career he got into the civil rights movement uh-huh. um because with change is gonna come like i said came out in um the december or the, yeah, december the, 64 63 yeah well actually no it came out in, in mid-february so okay. like uh, apparently soon right after this conversation. I mean, <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite artists' songs, which is uh, Julian Casablanca's, has oh. said this is his favorite song. Oh really? Yes. I mean, when when uh, Leslie Odom Jr. did it, I was like, damn, this is freaking incredible. It was a really good. It's it's a really good song. Um, if you guys haven't listened to it or don't want to watch this movie. Just go listen to this song. It's it's a really powerful song. It talks about him going to the movies and being kicked out, and and it had a lot to do with it. And they mentioned about Bob Dylan, yeah, which is another artist that I really love. Mm-hmm. He really that "Blowing in the Wind" song really was an inspiration for that song. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, it was it, it like shook him. He's like, dude, like I thought I had to like because he was comp- like I said he was competing with like people like uh, James Brown and. Mm-hmm. And Little Richard, that they were, like, dancing on there, and he, he thought he had to, like, get people to move. Yeah. And he didn't realize, like, nah, you know what? Like, my songs don't can't, can get in, the, in going to a little deeper level, you know? Right. And that's what I really love about that song, and I think that's why that, that song stands the test of time. Um, But anyways, I didn't know that he didn't get into, like, civil rights movement until, like, later in his career. Mm-hmm. And it makes his death even more powerful because there's so the way he died was and um, I hate that I'm saying this because it's really it it's a very weird way of thinking about it. But hopefully I'll hear me out for those of you who are listening. <laughs> just hear me out. And, you know, I'm going to take us to Mordor and I'm going to bring us right back to the Shire. OK, okay. so <laughs> I'm going to. So Sam Cooke uh, was killed in a Los Angeles hotel room. Okay. Um, by a woman who ran the hotel. Uh, I think it was La, Cien- La Cienda Motel or, or Hotel. What the f- and she killed him by shooting him uh, w- twice. Uh, and one, a, f- a fatal wound to the chest eventually. Jesus. And um, she says it was an all in self-defense. Which comes in a weird way because of what it just said, you know? Yeah. Very... Gentle dude, you know, um, powerful voice, and he's he's like the king of the soul of soul, right? Mm-hmm. the The account is that he uh, he performed at this restaurant, went to this hotel with a woman, 
And then she left that hotel because he was supposedly going to, like, assault her. Like, sexually assault her. Uh-huh. And then he was groping her and all this other stuff. Right. He he said she went to the re- She says that she went to the restroom, tried to go, tried to skip out the window, but it was jammed locked. Couldn't mm-hmm. get out. When she went out, he went in there afterwards to the bathroom, I guess. And because they were making out or whatever, and he was he was already taking off his shoes, uh, his his clothes. But he went to the bathroom. She escapes as soon as he goes in there, grabs some her clothes and some of his, runs out like in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to the office, bangs, but no one's answering. She's, the person there is taking too long. She leaves, changes, and dumps his clothes somewhere. Okay. And then the next account is by this. Woman, um, oh my God, Ber- Bertha Franklin. Bertha, I remember, I remember her name. Okay. Um, so she, it's gonna come up. That's why. Okay. <laughs> so Bertha Franklin is the office manager, and she and she hears a th- like knock, more knocking in the door, right? Uh huh. <clears throat> and it's Sam Cook, and he's yelling, "Where is she? Where's the girl? Where's the girl? Where's the where's the lady? Where's the lady?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "What the heck? What like?" He's like all drugged out or something. Right. And she was like, hey, there's no girls. It's just me, blah, blah, blah. And she, he like storms in there and he's like, no, like, where is she? Where is she? Whatever. And um, what's it called? She's, he's like, oh, um, he's just <sighs> looking for her, right? And, okay. And he he starts to like attack her. Mm-hmm. At least this is what Bertha Franklin is saying. Mm-hmm. Like he's tried, he tried to go at me. I got away from him, grabbed my gun, and I shot him. And then um, she says that um, he says like, "Lady, you shot me," you know, like mm-hmm. like like it, like he was surprised. So right. He's like, "That's when I knew he was kind of drunk," and he was still charging at me. So I grabbed the broom and hit him a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he was starting to get closer. So I shot him again in, in the chest, and that's how he died. And then I call and, and a friend of mine who was on the phone with me called nine one one. Hmm. And the lady says, yeah, I heard, I heard him say that, like, and she said the same thing. <clears throat> right? She gave the same story. Gave the same story that she's like, oh, you lady, you shot me or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's dead a lot. Super sad. Um, people are mourning. But of uh, Etta James, uh, she's a singer as well. Yeah. Um, she knew Sam Cooke very okay. well. And she was like, that does not sound like him at all. People that knew him. We're like, that does not sound like him at all. Okay. And this is the part that sucks because, like, now we're accusing women of giving, you know, false accusations. Right, which is not okay in this day and age. Yeah. And it wasn't okay back then either. It shouldn't be. And, but that's what's weird is that people knew him. We're like, this is not like him at all. Like, and this is his first account of something like this, I guess. But it's not his first time account of being, like, uh, drinking. Okay. Which you see in the movie. Yeah. He has like a hidden, you know, drinking yeah. problem or whatever. So that that part is real. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, that's weird. You know, um, Etta James says, I looked in his casket and his fingers were broken. Like his face was like barely hanging on. Like he was beat. He was, beat, he was beaten up. So not by a broom. I guess that's what we're saying, right? Interesting. So, right. Fast forward a couple years, Bertha Jane, uh, Bertha Franklin sues 
And I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, this guy, like, ruined my life. I had to quit my job. People kept coming up to me. He's like, you're the reason that Sam Cooke did. Right, blah, of course, she which was, happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. So she was like, I had to quit my job, blah, blah. So she gets some money. Uh-huh. She moves away. Um, and there's investigations about it, too. It's like, hey, you know what? This is, like, because there was investigations about, like, murder, uh-huh. right? And they're like, somebody said, like, I think the, the they asked the restaurant, like, hey, so did, because the lady who ran off mm-hmm. says that she was forced to go into the hotel with him. Like, she dragged, he dragged. I thought she dragged, worked there or she owned though. No, no, no. Remember, he met the girl at the restaurant. Oh, and okay. And he took her okay, back okay, to that okay. hotel. And she's like, I was forced to go there. Like, he tried mm-hmm. to rape me and all that stuff. And then they talked to the restaurant. People were like, no, he did a show here. And then he talked, he, I saw him talking to her. Mm-hmm. And she left with him. Like, he was walking away with her, like, holding hands. Hmm. Right? So, it was weird. And so now she's saying that, she, like he was being, she was being sexually assaulted and all this stuff, and then she was nowhere near, like this whole thing, right? Right. So they were saying like, was like, well, but what would be the cost for her to even make up this story? Right. And then that's when some some people close to him was like, what he had a a lot of money on him, not and like he she probably took it. Right, because she did run out with his clothes. Yeah, and then so they were like, okay, well let's see, like, and then they. They the guy the cops that investigated her. Mm-hmm. She didn't have any like no money on on her that night. Mm. Granted, this is a couple months later. Yeah, of course. So now and they checked this car. There was like maybe like fifty bu- uh two hundred bucks in there. Right. And but someone was saying like from the restaurant was like no I saw his inside his wallet he had like almost twelve hundred bucks in there. Uh huh. And uh but <sighs> yeah so anyways so it gets weirder. I don't know the lady who. Not Bertha Franklin. Right. The other girl. Later on, she gets arrested again. Oh, um, snap. And, and this time... Well, she gets... Not arrested again. She gets arrested... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...for uh, pretty much the exact same thing. That she... That some dude and her went to a hotel and he... Um, she, she She's the one that shot him. And uh, she, she went to jail for murder. And it just made things even weirder because it was like, what the heck? Like, you went to jail for the thing that Sam Cooke died for. And what makes it weird is because we, and I'm going to bring it back around now, the whole civil rights movement and the thing I know now because we watched Judas and the Black Messiah too, the thing I know now about like CIA, how Malcolm X felt Mm -hmm. like he was being followed, Mm -hmm. like all this other stuff makes all this suspect. And it, it makes me think like, what if these women were like, forced to like or paid were paid and they they need money too you know and like i mean yeah and just like how we saw in Jews and black messiah like it's a, it's a hard thing to grapple on but in that moment you can't say that you wouldn't turn it down right yeah and these people were and maybe they had maybe she didn't do anything to kill maybe brother franklin didn't actually kill him yeah but maybe she was there i mean and, Maybe she She's saw something and someone was like, hey, you have to say You have to collaborate. Defense. Yeah, you have to collaborate. Sorry. <clears throat> I mean, with the amount of craziness that occurs in the 1960s with the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover, I would be completely... I would be a complete idiot to believe that this story is 100% true. <laughs> like, it sounds way too suspect. Like, even the whole thing with, like, Malcolm X... Like the way Malcolm X died was in the Autobahn, uh, Autobahn theater, Autobahn something, the mm-hmm. ballroom, and he was killed by, quote unquote, three Nation of Islam members. Like, okay, he had already left. 
Yeah. He had, and this movie, you hear that he wants to start his own, like, secular, like, group to yeah. be able to, like, actually teach the uh, the pillars of Islam and actually keep to what he wants to, it to be. Yeah. And especially when he came back. Because when he came back from Mecca, he was an com- extremely changed person. He was not saying the same kind of, like, white devil remarks. He was talking about unity. He was supposed to meet with... Uh, with MLK, they were supposed to have like a more united pact and be able to continue on. And then suddenly, like he does a speech, and three members of the Nation of Islam kill him. Like that's whole that's horseshit. Like there's no freaking way. Like yeah. he was gonna leave the head alone. There's no reason for him to come after him. And the fact that he was being freaking like looked at by freaking the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover completely suspect, man. So you yeah. tell me the story about Sam Cooke? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like. I don't even say, like, put a tinfoil hat on. I'm just like, yeah, this is probably true. Like, just look at when we talk about Judas and the Black Messiah right now. Like, watch that movie and tell me that you wouldn't believe the story that Joey just told you as, like, fabricated. Yeah, watching these two movies together um, and knowing what I knew, I was like, damn, man. Like, because, like I said, I watched this second. Mm -hmm. And now, so, like, at the end of it, I'm like, dude, this is crazy. But I was thinking more about Sam Cooke, not really about... Well, Matt, <laughs> yeah. I know, but like the entirety, everything about these two movies, like is so interwoven, like they're two different stories told years apart in two different cities. And like, there's a difference in what's going on there, mm-hmm. but they're so united in the sense that at the end of the day, the government was looking at all of these people as threats Yeah, for idiotic reasons. Like you can't tell me like there's a, I looked it up today because there's a quote that I, for Judas and the Black Messiah that I'm going to mention later that there's a thing called the Co-Inter-Pro. It's the Counterintelligence uh, Pro-something. I forget the damn name right now. But I, I like essentially what it is, it's a subsect of the FBI where they conducted covert and illegal pro- projects across the United States uh, to disrupt and infiltrate American political organizations. Our own freaking government, (laughs) to nobody's surprise, was looking into civil rights leaders and people of the civil rights movement as freaking terrorists. And you're going to tell me that, like, I should just believe every story that you tell me that I read in a freaking history book? Like, that Sam Cooke was totally killed because of this way that I said? Like, I'm I'm not speaking to Sam Cooke's character. I'm speaking to the fact that the government in the 1960s, at least when it comes to the FBI, was shady as hell. <laughs> and both of these movies prove it time and time again. You know, I think this is probably a good enough segue into Judas and the Black Messiah now that we're yeah. talking about it. Which, <laughs> my God, it's <laughs> okay. really good. The thing I want to talk about, the, the quote I was talking about is um, Shaka King directed and co-wrote this movie. Okay. Uh, he had it took him forever to get the movie like started and everything like that him and his two other writers who came to him with the idea um finally got ryan coogler right after black panther came out so like ryan coogler's on like the height train of like making things happen ryan coogler goes i want this movie made i'll i'll back you i'll produce this movie as well yeah but one of the quotes that ryan coogler tells him is like you you have to remember the 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 quote is like this. He goes, look, this is Ryan Coogler speaking to Shaka King going, look, you pitched this movie to us as the departed inside the world of Cointelpro, and you're not doing that. And if you don't do that, not only will the movie probably not get made, but it won't be seen by anyone. 
And this is where Shaka really like gets it in his head. He's like, okay, I have to be more. Because apparently the original script was way more based on true events. And it was also based way more in uh, Fred Hampton's life. Mm-hmm. Like you see him actually growing up in the original scripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which in this one, he's just like, he's already chairman. We start off there. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love this about this movie. <clears throat> There's no handholding. Immediately, yeah. O'Neill's character is just like he's already in the organization. It's like they don't they don't have this white dude explain to him like he's gonna be in this organization. Nah, the dude is smart enough to understand what he's gonna have to do, and I'm sure they tell him he has to do these things, and he's already in there. Yeah, like we're just starting the story off here. Which, by the way, the acting in this movie is incredible. Yeah. Like Kaluya, that I was gonna. So I, that's what I was gonna mention. Where it's like. One and Nine in Miami definitely leans on the imitations of the of the characters, right? But, whereas this one is more cadence. Mm. They don't necessarily look like the characters. It's like they, they sound. They sound and portray them like like as they would. Like you feel like how like uh the guy who plays Fred Hampton. What's his name? Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. He like like uh. Just you feel like that. Oh wow, that's like how he is. Like, have you ever watched like the Fred Hampton vi- documentary videos? Or I didn't or watch nothing? the Fred the documentaries, but I've seen his speeches. So yeah, yeah like he's he's like that. Yeah. I will die, a mm-hmm. revolutionary. Like he does talk like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh wow, like that's that's really good acting. Like that, I completely got lost in his acting. That I'm like, oh wow, that's Fred Hampton. Which is crazy because like Kaluuya, is, there's like an interview where he's like. They asked him, like, oh, did you get in contact with, uh, what's her name? I want to say Nejri, but I might be wrong. Like, Fred Hampton's uh, wife, baby mama, yeah. whatever you want to call her. Um, like, did you get in contact with her? She's like, yeah, she was on the, her and Fred Hampton Jr. were on the set nearly every single day. Damn. And he goes, did you get to talk to her and ask her about stuff? And he goes, no. He's like, really? Why didn't you? And he's like, that felt extremely disrespectful for me to come up to this woman who, who's, like, love of her life got murdered in front of her face yeah in such a terrible brutal way like i don't want to go in and be like hey do i sound like your husband or like your boyfriend yeah. or whatever like do i sound like fred hampton like nah that's bullshit mm. it's like so i did my i did my research through the documentaries that have been released through the speeches that he's done and i i figured it out that way mm. so if i come even remotely close to what he sounds like then that's an honor yeah i i will say this about the movie and you're probably going to disagree with me mm-hmm I did not like that they added that romantic aspect to the mm. movie. Mm-hmm. I was, it was kind of offsetting of what was actually happening in the yeah. movie. And uh, I know why they did it. But I, I as I'm watching it, I'm like, uh, I kind of just want to skip over this part right now. And I want to go into like, like I don't want to see them like cuddling in the bed. I want to see him actually go and do stuff. Right. But I understood why they did it because like kind of portray his moments in jail and like how he was like just to give a shot of him like actually like missing out on stuff in jail right right so like i felt like that's the reason why mm-hmm. but at the same time i was like uh don't care right it's kind of the one thing that i always remember <laughs> is uh what was it called red wings red Pop-Pop? oh yeah red wings yeah <laughs> like that freaking goddamn romance story was way shoehorned in this at least felt kind of like it had the ability to be natural and I understand why the scenes were there. And I like that they were short. I felt like it didn't take up too much time. At least in my head, yeah. it didn't feel like it did. Um, but I think it's kind of like just adding that, like, it's maybe maybe it's about, like, showing respect to women in the movement. 
because it's it's not talked about as often. Like if you think about it, like most of the people that we know of the civil rights union, uh, civil rights movement, movement. Thank you, are men. Now, we don't really talk about women. Like the yeah, yeah. one person we really talk about is freaking Rosa Parks, and everyone knows all her right. name. Yeah. But like when it comes to these other women that were all extremely powerful, that were all part of the Black Panther movement, like it's not talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe why they decided to throw that in there because they were like, look, dude, she was strong and independent. She didn't even care if Fred Hampton wasn't. Well, she did. But like <laughs> she would have she still moved on and was able to be successful in the movement alone. Yeah. And that one character who I can't think of her name, like who ends up like getting sent to jail halfway through the movie. Oh, yeah. Like she was extremely badass. Like yeah. that scene that she has in there. That was dope. She has many scenes. Mm hmm. And like they, they, like the movie itself is like everyone does their job and yeah. does it well. Uh, oh, the one thing I wanted to say is that uh, it's interesting to finally have uh, that Martin Sheen. I think it's, it's Martin Sheen, right? I'm not oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Martin Sheen has finally reached an age where he can play a racist, bigoted white man. Because <laughs> like and everything else he's yeah. ever played, he's extremely good. Like he was on the West Wing and played a Democratic president. Really? For like six years, yeah. He was. Uh, Wasn't Bartlett. I thought he was a racist guy in. Um... He might have been. I might not remember. I don't know that many Martin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, really? I'm like, but like, there's a uh, what's the uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks movie? Catch uh, uh, me if you can. Yeah, yeah. He he's the dad. He's the southern dad. Oh, that's right. Well, he's, but I don't know if he's racist. They don't though. show his racism. I mean, he's southern and white, so in probably the, doesn't bode yeah. well for his character, but. Southern white in the 70, 60s, 70s? Maybe. Like, to think about it, like, at least in my mind, if Martin Sheen has never played a racist, bigoted white man, mm-hmm. then that means that freaking Leonardo DiCaprio played a racist, bigoted white man before Martin Sheen did. Oh, I guess you're right. And it's an interesting but, thing. Like, yeah, I wonder well, if he, like, I wonder if he pur- purposely, like, always stayed away from those roles, if that's the case. Maybe, because, like, he, he's a big protester. He's gotten arrested before for protesting. Yeah, well, I mean, see, and that's kind of, like, what I... It was weird seeing him in the role as J. Edgar Hoover, who, like, I despise. Like, it just... Yeah. Like, watching it, it makes my skin crawl. And he does a good job. Like You know what's funny? Leonardo DiCaprio also played J. Edgar Hoover before Martin Sheen. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's just outshining Martin yeah. Sheen. Uh, but I thought that was interesting, like, that he finally played that character. This... But, okay, so I didn't really know much about the history on, on this. Mm-hmm. But it was all, it was, I was enthralled the whole way through. Nice. I, was, uh, I, was, I really enjoyed it. Um, and, like, one of the main things that I really, really liked was that it kind of didn't, like, you. I think you said it earlier, like, it didn't really hold your hand through mm-hmm. it. It's like, come on, like, it, it, this was happening. This was happening. This was happening. Yes. And it was all kind of personal accounts, too. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, like. You know, you've seen in movies like ding, 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 and they show a newspaper like, ooh, Fred Hampton <laughs> in jail. Or like yeah. there's somebody reading a newspaper and it says like, Fred Hampton goes to jail. It's like, yes, I don't think they believe this guy went to jail. Like, <laughs> And then they go back to the main character. Yeah, they go back to the main character. It's like, hey, put that newspaper down. Let's Come on, let's get some coffee. Like, yeah. it's not, they didn't do any of those tropes. <laughs> no, like, not at all. Mainly because it's not a comedy or, uh, <laughs> yeah. or a really wacky drama. Right. But uh, it doesn't... <sighs> It does a really good job of just kind of showing you stuff without having to explain it all. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like the part where like they're right before the shootout. Okay. They didn't have to tell you what was gonna happen. Yeah, you're, you're like, 
Okay, I know where this is going. There's a couple of cops waiting outside a, you know, a Black Panther <laughs> office. A, a Black Panther just shot yeah. a cop. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just one of those things where you kind of just you're you know where it's heading, and you and as as a person who hasn't doesn't know what's gonna happen, you hope like, oh, I really hope it doesn't go this way. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't go this way, and then it does go that way, and yeah. you're like, oh my god, like that's a really good are point. you serious? And then there's also like. Lakeith Stanfield played this character, and he apparently had a really hard time portraying this character because he was like trying to think like, how could someone just portray their like race like that? Mm-hmm. And but he had took about O'Neill's character, right? Will or was that, the actor of O'Neill? Yeah, yeah, okay. that guy who played uh, uh, Will O'Neill, Will O'Neill or Bill O'Neill? A Will, I think, because William. But he kind of reached down and he kind of saw it because he. I mean, I kind of get it too, because mm-hmm. like, well, not I kind of get it. I do get it. Where it's like, you know, this guy in the beginning didn't really care or didn't really see that. Like, yeah. he was just a guy who's looking out for number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it sucks because, like, at the very end of it, he kind of feel he's like, I know I did something wrong. I, yeah. He's like, I know if I messed up. And then they give him his reward. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and he, he takes it and you, you kind of feel like, like, oh, don't, I, is it like. You want to say, like, man, if that was me, I wouldn't have taken that money. But nah, you would have taken the money. You would have taken that money and yeah, the yeah. gas station. And, and the gas station. Yeah, like, I I feel like I, I felt it. And I'm like, dude, that sucks. Because, like, I, I don't know if I wouldn't. If if all they were asking me to do was, like, one little thing. Like, oh, just draw me up a floor plan or blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, or, like, he did that a couple times. And, and I'm yeah, like, a few times. <laughs> and you think, like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's a raid. They'll arrest a couple people. Whatever. Right. But and that happens like you see that happen throughout the movie is like he does something he's like yeah see not that big of a deal yeah yeah like and he the even starts to have fun with it yeah because he, and he's like they'll rebuild it's gonna keep going like it's he didn't think it was gonna st- like it would stop them mm-hmm. like he thought you know and it didn't it, <laughs> well it eventually did yeah I mean yeah <laughs> but um, at least in the movie it didn't <laughs> I felt like that was a really good portrayal of someone who was like. It, the title of the movie does really fit. Oh, dude, the, it's a perfect title of a movie. I don't know. I try to think back and like really like I'm not obviously really trying hard, but like I don't think I've had a title of a movie that has fit better than this one in a while. When you were taught about the the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. um, what what did you know about them? Like like at least the first time, because I'll, I'll tell you what I learned. Mm-hmm. The, the first thing I learned, I I learned there's a couple of guys who were protesting. Mm-hmm. And they were using military forms of it or something. Or because yeah, they were mili- they were That's very the way they describe them. Yeah, yeah. There were there was a militant protesters. Mm-hmm. And um, but I didn't know that they were like like feeding kids and mm-hmm. which, by the way, I mean they kind of played it both sides. Were like, yeah, they were feeding kids, but they were all kind of feeding them kind of this kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like weird, they're, they're not rich. <laughs> yeah, they're not rich, but they were like also no. But I'm saying like they were. Not feeding them, like literally feeding them. No, like the, what they were saying, like, oh, you oh. know, you should send them to blah, 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 blah. Like, mm-hmm. and where I kind of see them, like, okay, that is kind of weird teaching kids this stuff. Like, it's, I mean, it's good for like confidence and all that stuff, but it's also like, you know, like teaching a little a five year old's, like, hey, if he, if he like pushes you, punch him. Like, mm-hmm. oh, whoa, I don't think he should punch him. Like, <laughs> I, think, like <laughs> I mean, like, but that is one of those things where it's like, Oh, like they were kind of like influencing like younger kids to, and they were a militant protester, and I can see where that 
can be skewed where it's like that's kind of scary man like mm-hmm. like because i i did watch a little bit of the documentary mm-hmm. and some of the people who were talking about like when i when he's like when we see the black panthers like these guys were scary like like they got guns they got all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff and then um and you know when you saw them and they talked to you you tell them like hey man like like you know people who lived in that street they were like hey man you know you're going about this all wrong you know and like you right. shouldn't be like attacking and then what they didn't know is that that black panthers didn't really uh, like weren't that wasn't their method of like oh we're gonna protest by shooting them up and doing all this stuff no it was more peaceful mm-hmm. like like uh, accounts yep and that was like something that you don't really read in history books and and then that's what ended up turning people around. And in, in the documentary, they mentioned that and they're like, you know, like. And then he's like, as the years went by, like, you know, we heard about them feeding the kids, you know, fixing their homes, you know, blah blah. blah. Like, so it really did turn some people around, you know. And like, so and we saw what they were doing, mm-hmm. like. But in the early days, they were scary. Anyways, th- I thought that was a really good portrayal of this, where it's like, oh shit, like you get to see like the. What you don't see in the Hershey Brooks, you don't see them standing in front of like a the Capitol building with a, you know, mm. machine guns. They're right. they're feeding kids. They're like you know they're actually giving them education, giving education, offering pamphlets to people, like reading material. They're not like out there with guns every single day, like the way they yep. they they're portrayed mm-hmm. in like certain history books. Yep, I mean that's one hundred percent true. Like what you're telling, what you're saying is right. Like. And I, I can speak to my education. I can speak to the education around me that I've had. A lot of people, when they think of the Black Panther movement, they think of militant group of radical, like, quote unquote, murderers. Like, mm-hmm. that's all they did. Like, that's that's all you ever get taught is that, like, all oh, the Black Panthers are scary. All oh, the Black Panthers, like, will beat people up. All oh, the Black Panthers hated white people. And it's like, this movie shows you that they didn't necessarily hate white people. Yeah. They hated the struggle that they were doing. They hated yeah. the fact that they were being pushed down and thought of as lower because of the rich, upper, white, middle class people around them. Like yeah. they, when he starts his Rainbow Coalition in this, which is a real thing to happen. Like yeah. he gets Puerto Ricans, he gets Dominicans, he gets white people who are under marginalized. He gets everybody. Yeah, that is a terrifying freaking movement if you really think about it. Like you just united all. If not, you've united at least forty to fifty percent of the people in that city of Chicago. Yeah. In and what the movie makes it seem like in a matter of days. Yeah. And that's obviously why the freaking FBI was so scared. They were afraid of the quote unquote uh, socialist uh, socialist party of yeah. that they were having and stuff. And like, I get it that they're we we're still in this kind of like post McCarthy age yeah. where we were afraid of socialism and shit. But also, like, screw you, man. Like, these people were just freaking marginalized. Yeah. You didn't give a crap about them. They didn't have any sort of infrastructure in their in their homes. They didn't have yeah. any infrastructure in school. And what did they do? They did what they could to survive. Yeah, and the, the, you live in a police state. Of in, yeah. Eventually, you're going to be like, nah, screw that. Like, Especially with Mayor Daly. Yeah. Like, it's bull crap that what we're taught in, in school all the time and in college as well that these people like the black panther movement mm. was terrifying and wrong and they were everything opposite of the peacefulness of what Mal- of martin luther king was and like newsflash martin luther king also went to jail a crap ton of times and wasn't always peaceful <laughs> and he also told people to go to hell when they asked him for help like the, nobody in this era was perfect yeah. even the idolized like saviors like martin luther king were also not perfect yeah 
And what I enjoy about this movie is that I wrote it in my notes. And, like, I go I go kind of hard. And, and, again, this is speaking as a person who of color, not uh, not being African-American, not growing up in that kind of a struggle. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I, <laughs> I, I wrote a lot of curse words, so I try not to, like, use uh-huh. them. But, like, essentially it's, like, I I say that I was lucky to have the U.S. history teacher I had because I was able to learn a lot. But I, I'm even luckier because I had the opportunity to research shit on my own mm-hmm. and to be able to go deeper into the things that fascinated myself. Like, the as a person who went through the education system uh, to become a uh, quote-unquote educator, I can tell you the amount of time that you're allowed to spend on the civil rights union, on the civil rights movement, is less than a week. That's how much the government and the federal standards, at least in California, allow for you to be taught that. A week to learn what quite possibly is the most important part of the United States history mm-hmm. and modern history at the very least. And we're given a week to teach these kids about this. And that's bullshit. Like the fact that we're barely getting movies like One Night in Miami, like Judas and the Black Messiah, that yeah. show our government doing wrong is a shame. And then it kind of goes to like Hollywood being kind of scared and not like willing to do these kinds of movies because yeah. they're afraid of backlash. They're afraid of not making their money back. And I understand that it's a business. Like I studied economics. I understand that you have to make your money back. I get it. But at the same time, like when we have art movie, art films that go, that are still given huge budgets, like why isn't this movie, like this movie was trying to be made for like 10, 15 years and it barely gets done now. Like because suddenly it feels like we can kind of make money off of it. It's kind of bullshit, you know? And it's, it is not. It's not a. It's not a slight towards Shaka King, to Ryan Coogler, to anybody in this movie. I'm not calling them sellouts or anything like that. In fact, I'm like praising them for having the balls to be able to be like commit to this and yeah. say this is what we're doing. We'll change some of the story up so we can like, oops, so we can fantasize it a little bit more. Don't knock it again. Yeah, <laughs> to like kind of fantasize it a little bit more and like take certain liberties, but like you portrayed Fred Hampton as a human being and if you leave this movie not feeling that fred hampton was wrongly murdered then you did not understand this movie yeah and, and it's such a goddamn good movie because like the way that quote i said like 20 minutes ago it holds true man like this movie is literally the departed with the civil rights movement and the height of one of its great leaders that has never gotten the recognition he deserves. Fred Hampton yeah. gets like the Fred Hampton and Black Panther movement, including Bobby Seale and Huey Loon, get a paragraph, maybe two in history books. That That's is true. a goddamn shame. When like this shows you how much they were willing to do. Yeah. And I don't know. This is like I could go on and on about this subject. I obviously can. Like I have a lot of opinions on what this matters, why this matters, and why this movie should be watched. Like if. If tomorrow I decided that I was going to become a teacher again, mm-hmm. hands down, both of these movies I would show in my class. Like I, like, I know the rated R. I don't give a damn. I'll send home a notice telling these people, like, hey, we're going to show this movie, and this is it. Like, I don't care if you say no. If, your kid, if you don't want to show your kid this movie, fine. I'll send your kid out of the class, but the rest of the class is watching this. Yeah, you'd be like, hey. What if, like, only, like, two kids got a yes? Then I guess my whole class is going over to somebody else's classroom because this movie's important, man. And those kids will be like, yo, you should watch this movie. It's on HBO Max. Yo, HBO Max. Give my yo, teacher a freaking shout out. Yo, I think my teacher's stealing HBO Max or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> There's like five different accounts on there. <laughs> like, hey, man. 
I'm a teacher. I don't make that much money. <laughs> but no, like, I don't know. This movie was incredible. I, I really thought, and it was funny. It was funny, too, because, like, there's that scene where, like, they're doing the yeah, education. I don't think it was funny, bro. No. Okay. There That's was funny lines. Up. There was funny lines. Because, and here's the one that I, like, I kind of chuckled at because I thought it was really funny. Was uh, O'Neill's in the classroom and Fred Hampton's teaching. And they're talking about gun- the, the one mo- There's a moment about, like, guns. And then they say, like, rocket launchers. And mm-hmm. O'Neill character goes, yo, these motherfuckers have rocket launchers. Yeah. And, like... They never show them they have rocket launchers. Like, they have guns, but, like, at the end of the day, like, oh, yeah, they're, not, they're not these kinds of villains that everybody makes them yeah, out Yeah, and they didn't be. even have guns until, like, they met up with the Crown, right? Yeah, the Crown, which is apparently a fictionalized uh, group. Yeah. That's not a real, like, gang that existed. Apparently, there was, like, gangs or whatever, but it wasn't the Crowns. Yeah? Where were they? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't get to look into it that much. Oh, God, George. You know, when I come here... Looking expect- for history stuff. Yeah, I come here expecting a history lesson. I'm sorry. But you know what? Okay. This is a movie I podcast. For- I'm talking about you. a movie. I forgive you. I mean, I tried. I hope that I hope that my emotional response to this movie makes the people who listen to this movie feel like they have to watch this movie. Yeah. Not because like, oh, it's about black history and we are in quote unquote black history month, which is bullshit. It should be every fucking it doesn't matter what month it is, you should yeah. be watching this movie. Like I think that's something that, given the lacking that the U.S. education system has, we all deserve to watch this movie and to realize that when it comes down to it, we can question our government and try to figure out whether or not what they're doing is right or wrong. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, man, You said a lot. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can only echo what you have already said. No, so. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. The no. one thing I want to mention, though, like that we can talk about is like, I love that the two actors who came out in this movie came out and get out. Yeah, right. They both came out and get out. But what I was going to say is, like, they're both two actors that rose to prominence in the last, like, three to five years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Kaluuya with um, with Get Out. Yeah. And then, what's the other guy's name? I always forget his name. Lakeith Stanfield. Right. Lakeith Stanfield with Sorry to Bother You, which I haven't yeah. watched, which I think I should probably watch, considering. Yeah. But, like, like, I'm glad that they were able to get those two because, damn, are they freaking incredible actors, man. Yeah, he also comes out in Atlanta. Oh, does he? It's a mm-hmm. show that I want to watch that I haven't been able to start. I mean, I have too many shows. I got to watch these movies, man. I'm watching movies for next week. Watching movies for two week, two months from now. But Oh, he also comes out of Knives Out. Oh, he does, right? And Uncut Gems. Yeah, he does. I haven't watched Uncut Gems. I want to, though. Mm-hmm. That movie looks fucking incredible. But overall, man, what did you think of this movie? What would you grade this movie if you want to give it a rate? Do you feel like you should give it a rate? You want me to give you, give you the rating for both? Sure. So One Night in Miami... I give it a seven. Fair. Just a seven. That's totally fair. I think that's a very fair answer. Like for me, it's an eight because I love the I love this time period. Judas in the Black Messiah, on the other hand. I'll give it an eight point. I'll give it an eight point two. Almost an eight point five. I might mm-hmm. change my, my mind over time. Okay. But I give it an eight point two right now. And the and the main one of the big things that are differences, obviously the direct uh what's it called uh liberties that they had mm-hmm. in each other which is not really fair because one was a play based on a play and the other one's kind of just out of the person's mind yeah so it's, you know you can play around with it a little bit more mm-hmm. but uh i don't know how i felt about regina king uh not using it like almost no score in one night in miami damn that's a really good point it's eerily quiet no, there's no score. I know. I oh, there's it. literally nothing. I remember that's one of my notes. I was like, there's there, the only time they have like 
some music is like maybe during the fight and then when they play their like people's music mm-hmm. other than that it's quiet damn and then um what's the other one? Oh, and judas and the black messiah i like that they use jazz mm. as a score that it was main uh, it's very which kind of fits in with like Lakeith Stansfield's emotions where it's kind of going on it's it, it's playing off of people and it's kind of like he's kind, he's kind of thinking on his feet a lot of, a right. lot of the time kind of just when they're like questioning him like how how, how wire the car then and he hot wires yeah. the car and then they're like asking him like why do you have the keys then if you stole this car he's like man you don't think I just switched it up like I don't know a guy blah blah like he's like thinking on his feet yeah. every, all the time he's like uh-huh. damn dude like you that was gonna, a great scene. I was like, dude, you're going to get caught, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the great thing about the movie is, like, yeah. it makes you feel like, oh, shit, I'm about to get screwed. Yeah. Like, the walls are literally closing in on them mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's um, such a sad story, too, because, like, you brought it up earlier. Like, poor dude, like, in that in that time, like, if someone's offering you a crap ton of money. A car. A car. A job. A oh, freaking, possibly, possibly a job. Yeah. yeah, like, well, this is, quote, unquote, yeah. is a job. And then, like, supposedly the gas station. Yeah. Like, how can you not, as a as a poor, marginalized person in this fucking time period, how could you not say yes? Yeah. And, like, he totally starts to eat himself alive. And at the end, you get the you get the writing of what happens to him. Yeah. And it fucking sucks, man. Yeah. And it makes you, because even if you do end up trying to hate the guy at the end, you end up feeling even worse about it at the yeah. end, after, like during the credits. But yeah, it's gonna be eight point two for me. An eight point two, yeah. Like this movie, I think I can't remember what I scored. Trial of the Chicago Seven. We should get like a whiteboard to have all these notes up. But like whatever Trial of the Chicago Seven was, like I agree with it. I think this is like a good nine point five. Yeah, I think it's almost a ten. I'm trying to think of a reason why it's not a ten. Uh, this is one of the few movies where I think I would have enjoyed a little bit longer of a movie because there wasn't anything that I felt needed to be cut. Like I know you had the problem with the romance. But I was like, ah, I was okay with it. And I don't think anything needed to be, like, cut. I think everything that was there was important. I think everything there was, like, impactful. And, like, it was a solid hour 52 of really good movie. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Overall, I think this definitely has become... It's going to become one of my favorite movies of that time period. I thought Trial of the oh. Chicago 7 was really good. Yeah. But, like, this one I thought was incredible. Like, best movie about the civil rights movement i think all right um well, i so are, we, are you done ready talking yeah about we can do, i was gonna mention about other movies but go for it oh because i was gonna so uh when the new year started i kept forgetting to mention something for you mm. i wanted to make like a little uh because right now you mentioned the scoreboard i wanted to do like a little challenge for us oh, okay. but i don't know if you want if you're up for it though what so my challenge is because I've been I've been, right now I'm in like my workout gear and like I, I I'm running a lot lately mm-hmm. I've been like exercising a lot and I've been running about three miles a day mm-hmm. so I was gonna say I bet you that I can run a thousand miles no I'll, I'll take it back I bet you I can run five hundred miles by the end of the year and before you before you can even finish five hundred movies oh snap. That's two movies, like barely two movies a day. That is hard. There's no way I could do that. You don't think so? Nah. You don't I, even, Come on, think about it. Really think about it. That's a that's a thousand hours. It, yeah. That's, that's a, a lot of time. Including the movies you've already watched, like the from the beginning. You know you've already watched like twenty? More than twenty, dude. Because if you want three each. Well, one, from the beginning of this year. Yeah. I don't it, think so. We're already in February. I don't know, man. Okay, here's my reasoning. Okay. 
I don't think I could make this happen because I enjoy TV too much. And that's the thing is like, as much as I love movies and we have a podcast mm-hmm. about movies, like I really love TV and it's easier for me to sit, watch an hour or 40 minute episode of a show than it is to sit and make time for two hours on my day. Yeah, I know that's, you don't think it's easier for me to sit on my ass than go run like three miles a day. Yes, but you, but here's the thing. And like, I have like five other things that I'm also doing on top of this. And I know how my brain works. I have like complete no focus i will jump around to 15 different things before i have to do it okay what about 200 movies i could do 200 movies in a year before i can actually run before you can run 500 um, miles i don't know how many miles you run in a day three so maybe five, oh, actually 3.5 3.5 so it's just average it to four four to out of you do it in a hundred days right a little a little over a hundred days if i'm watching how many movies did you say 250 200. 200 movies in 100 days. That's two movies a day to be able to beat you. That's hard, man. I got a, I got a nine to five. Okay. Uh, so I take breaks. Like, to, like I take some breaks. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't do it every day. I don't I don't run Saturdays and Sundays. Right. So you five days out of the week, you run. Yeah. Five days out of the week. I don't watch movies every five days of the week. That's tough. I, I'll tell you right now. Nah, I lose that bet. I wouldn't take it. Yeah? Nah, I wouldn't take it. You're lame. Anyways, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> oh, I was just going to mention, like, obviously it's Black History Month. Where I wanted to talk about a few other movies. Not talk about it, but mention. Do you got any other movies that you really like that of the black culture movement? Black culture movement? Yeah, like, just in general. Like, obviously, all the Spike Lee joints. There's uh, freaking Ice Cube's um, Friday's movies. There's um, Boys in the Hood. There's Menace to Society. I have to think about it. I don't know. Uh Jeez, George, you really put me on the spot about that. I know. I didn't even think of an answer, to be honest. With you. <laughs> uh, pff, like, because growing up, I really loved Friday. Like, Friday, I thought it was a Friday. great movie. Like, Friday, next Friday and Friday after next, mm, I'm good. <laughs> but, like, I thought Friday was great. I think it's funny. I think it's real. Um, like, obviously, it's a little bit satirical and a joke, but I still enjoy it. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's, it's. I was just wondering. I mean, it's not an answer. I just wanted to throw out movies that I think our listeners should watch in this last two weeks that we've given. Oh, uh, Malcolm and Marie. That's the new one that at both uh, Denzel Washington's skin, John David Washington. Oh, really? And Zendaya. Come on in it. Oh, this one, the one on Netflix, Black black and White. Yeah, Yeah, I want to watch that. It's supposed to be good. Uh, You guys should watch. uh, Obviously, George just said do the right. uh, Did you say do the right thing? No, I didn't. But Uh, there's also a Netflix uh, show, isn't it? Also do the right thing. Yeah, uh, Jungle Fever is also a really good one. Mm-hmm. You're looking for some comedies. Uh, I really liked uh, Coming to America, and then there's mm-hmm. a new one coming out, Coming to, like the number two America. Which uh, uh, Selena wants us to do a podcast on those two movies next month. Um, Coming to America. Have you ever, have you ever rewatched it? <laughs> I haven't rewatched it. I have never actually watched it. Uh, it's a little raunchy. I mean, uh, it's a little, I don't care. It's a little rough. All right. But, I mean, uh, that's something to think, because I also want to do the King Kong movie. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, movie but, I want to mention. Yeah, though, go ahead. Uh, that it was weird because I watched this movie with Danielle and Eva. And neither one of them watched Muhammad Ali. Oh, me neither. You've never watched Muhammad Ali? Nope. Sorry. Okay. If you know, wait, can I, can I tell you when I stopped? Why? Okay, go. Like, I've watched some of it. Okay. I stopped when he he's exercising in Africa. Damn. I was so bored. Jesus, this movie is incredible. I think I think Muhammad Ali. Like, if you watch One Night in Miami, and you're like, man, I want more Muhammad Ali. Why watch <laughs> Muhammad? Ali, watch Ali. Yeah, movies. I think it's great. The, I think it really shows you Will Smith. 
movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's it really shows you how what his life was like and having to like scrounge for money to be able to get a fight. Like it's insane. Like his story is insane, which ironically is funny because Danielle actually knew. Um, I actually met Muhammad Ali, which is insane to me. Wait, what? Danielle met Muhammad Ali. She met him? Yeah, I think his, his niece, I always forget the story, but his niece went to school with Danielle. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like one day she was in the 5 to 5, whatever, 6 to 6 program or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and she was there chilling, and then Muhammad Ali walks in to pick up um, the niece or granddaughter. And Danielle was like, oh, shit. And she got to meet Muhammad Ali. And I was like, damn, that's dope. Was this before or like, yeah, like his head injuries and stuff like that? No, this is after. And this is when is that, he already had. Sorry. Yeah. He already had his Parkinson's. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So she, oh. she got to meet him like that. But still, I mean, that's a credible thing to be able to meet Muhammad Ali. It's insane. Uh, I just looked up some some of the movies. Uh, uh-huh. It's just a long list. But the ones that stand out, Selma, obviously. Mm. Uh, Hidden Figures. Oh, great. Uh. Damn, there's a lot of them. Well, there's actually not that many. The Color Purple. It's mm. a really good one. That's pretty good. I watched uh, it in literature class. Huh? I watched it in AP Lit. So that's funny. You watch Color Purple on AP Lit? Yeah, we did for... What's her face? I don't oh. want to mention her name. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, I there's know. a lot of good movies that I think you guys should be watching. I really think that if you have HBO Max, do yourself a favor. Watch Judas and the Black Messiah. I will say, I honestly feel like there's not that many. No, there isn't. And, and that's the problem mm-hmm. <laughs> that that there's not a lot of yeah a lot of them. So I feel like if you oh, if, and if they become <clears throat> like really good oh the Great Debaters that's a good one uh, go ahead. like I totally forgot like obviously we mentioned Ryan Coogler watch Ryan Coogler's films Fruitvale Station mm-hmm. freaking Black Panther and then what's the other third one I always forget the other one oh he did Creed oh yeah he did Creed. the first Creed and the second Creed I think he also directed yeah. it, I'm sure but yeah I mean why watch Ryan Coogler's films that dude is, dude's directing and writing is amazing yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, I guess. I feel like he's going to be the next uh, Spike Lee. I, honestly, I just think he's just going to be a, the next Maybe great better. director. Like, the dude is amazing. Like, he hasn't, I don't think he's touched a film that he isn't, that hasn't been good so far. Oh, he, he also did uh, Fantastic Four. No, he didn't. Yeah, I just looked up right now. No, he didn't. He didn't yeah, do he Ryan. It. Ryan Coogler did not do Fantastic Four. Yes, he did. Well, that sucks. No, that's kidding. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, that's the one. That's the one he <laughs> had to do to be able to do all his other movies. They're like, we'll, we'll, we'll afford this one again. No, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't had a bad one. Yeah, man. He's doing Black Panther 2 to see how that turns out. Yeah, it should be dope. Uh, but uh, that's it, guys. Um, thanks for listening this week. Yeah, and go watch some movies.